Hello and welcome to a live deprogrammed interview. My name is Carrie Smith. This is Deprogram with Carrie Smith and it's a new, still relatively new channel. So if it's your first time here, please hit like and subscribe if you like the channel. Um, today's guest is Alex Stein 99 and he's running a little late. So I went ahead and started. Uh, he was guest hosting at the Blaze today and will be here any minute, but I figured we could just start. I could do the announcements and get them out of the way and say hello to you guys. Hey, chat. Hello. Hello. Um, tomorrow, there's not going to be a live Kerfefe break because I'm going to be speaking in the afternoon, uh, actually at six o'clock on a panel with Megan Murphy, Mary Lou Singleton, uh, Michelle Evans, and I put the link in the chat if you guys are in the Austin area and want to come. It's called Women Leaving the Left. And the really cool thing about it, I think, is that everyone on the panel, we didn't all end up in the same place. So I'm excited about some of the conversations we're going to have and also some of the people that might show up who are feeling politically homeless. Um, we have been told that there are going to be protests there. So if you come, just uh, put on a smile and if there are protesters, just walk past them and come into the event, and it should be fine. Uh, but I hope to see you guys tomorrow. Oh, he's here. I'm going to add, I'm going to bring in Alex. It looks like he, he's driving. <laughs> Let's see. It'll be a little better. No. Uh, oh. Carrie, it'll be a little better. I'm almost home. I just saw that you were going live, so I didn't want to freaking people think you're a liar. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. I was actually, I thought, you know what? I want to show them some of your videos. So well, I was show gonna, them right now. You yeah. Show them in the car. So the audio and the mic will be a lot better once I get it. Okay, cool. So you look so dapper, by the way. Well, Justin. I was just hosting at the, I was a host, I was guest hosting Elijah Schaefer's show. Oh, and I so I just saw you, Carrie. You're friends with Gino Bisconti. I love Gino. How oh, do you know I love Gino? Gino. Uh, I met Gino through Chrissy Mayer. And we did a content house together. He's he's so Oh, you funny. were at the content house? Yes. <laughs> oh wow! So y'all are probably besties now. <laughs> we did go roller skating together. Wait, no, he he didn't go roller skating. I think he stayed behind. Didn't y'all go uh, shoot guns too? Uh, people did different things, so I didn't get there in time to do the gun shooting. I just got to do the the roller skating. And yeah. you flew from Austin to the Poconos. Where the heck was it in the Poconos? Yeah, it was at some Airbnb cabin that that Chrissy found. It it was pretty cool. Like no, I I don't really I've never cool. been up there. But but I've always heard about the Poconos, and so what is it in northern New York? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, it took um, over an hour to get there from Newark. So I think northern New York. Uh, we didn't really see much of the Poconos. We stayed in the cabin other than going roller skating. But she's doing another one in October that I'm going to be at in Orlando. So, wow, you're going to be Orlando. Is Anthony yeah. going to be there too? My husband? No, no, your husband. Oh. I'm talking about Kumia, the freak, the man. The oh, <laughs> yeah, that Anthony. He's a great singer. He he did uh, the whole. We did a karaoke night, and he. I had no idea. He's like a karaoke fiend. Oh he's yeah, that's how. When he, he's like so famous from O and A back in the day, but that's what he used to do. Like uh, he kind of started live streaming him doing like karaoke. You know, he was kind of on the forefront of that. Like Joe Rogan, like. You know, broadcasting from his house, he used to do karaoke. Now I think he loves singing, and his brother's in yeah. a band. Is it brother? Brother's a really good uh, musician. He's a very good singer. Yeah, that was a crazy. Like she brought together the most like interesting group of people. It was just fun. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the next one for sure. 
and some um, adult film stars. I saw. I like that one. Yeah. That one's so pretty. What's the one that she's like? Uh, uh, G or no? GG. I love GG. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like her. She's, she's very hot. sweet too. She's, <laughs> she, she's also very sweet. Well, that doesn't matter. We only, only looks <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna play the first video I ever saw of yours, and we have a funny thing because. Uh, actually, it was Chrissy, Chrissy's uh, boyfriend, Frank, who who arranged for me to be on your show. And I wasn't sure who you were. And I was rushing. I was late. I was coming from something where I'd, I'd gone to meet the um, Friday Night Tights guys. And uh, I got Gary's there late. Awesome. You were meeting with Gary and, in Austin? Uh, no, I was meeting with uh, Jeremy and Ryan. They were okay. they were in Dallas. They were at the place. And yeah. so... Um, Anyway, I get on the I got on the show with you, not knowing who you were, and I suddenly realized, wait a minute, you're that guy that did the rap, the, the vaccination rapper. Yes, uh, the cringe rapper. Yes. So for anybody, the one person who may not have seen this, we're gonna play a little bit of it while you go inside. Did you say only one person enjoy. knows who I am? Ah! No, like only one person hasn't seen it. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's see. I'm having to do my own tech today, so bear with me. Well, StreamYard's pretty user-friendly, honestly. It's not that hard. It's not. I've been picking it up, so. That's what I encourage people. If they want to start their own show, guys, you guys can do StreamYard. It's, it's not that hard. You can figure it out. I mean, you got to do some practice ones. You're, you're going to have it down, you know, after a few streams. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I'm here today because we got to vaccinate our children. You know, we really don't have enough vaccines. Like they're not mandatory, and that's the problem. We got to mandate <laughs> these vaccines. So I've figured a way where I think we can make it. I don't know, like I guess more hip. I'm out of breath. And, uh, yeah. Cool for because uh, I learned that mass. I couldn't. I wanna, what I want to say is, we got to vaccinate our kids. We have to vaccinate them fast and, and my early. Phone's but of not course, working. my phone's I had music not phone playing, not but working. I had a song this that I wanted to do. This fooled and some people that I know. They it thought never you works were when, real. When you're trying to make it work. It fooled a lot of people. We'll just have to, we'll just have to freestyle. It's because all the but TikTok nurses. Would the real Dr. Yeah. Fauci please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Vaccinate your mom. Vaccinate your dad. Vaccinate the happy. Vaccinate the sad. Vaccinate your babies. Vaccinate them. Even if they got rabies. Vaccinate my life. Vaccinate my wife. Vaccinate your DNA. Vaccine created by the CIA. Vaccinate your body. Vaccinate me at the party. Vaccination free. Vaccination frequently. I want the vaccine in my life. I want the vaccine for my wife. I want to vaccinate you all day long. Vaccinate you while I wear my thong. Vaccinate me. Vaccinate who? Vaccinate Are you she. Just vaccinate her. Yes. Vaccinate them. I'm vaccinate my friend. I want to vaccinate to the end. Vaccinate me pure L. I love you. What can I say? DNA. I love you. I got the pure L feeling pure. So clean. Got the lights off because I'm calling Paul. Do you got to clean the mic? What were they you doing? You got a vaccine. They were looking at me like I was you going to get Corona like from Mona. Don't vaccinate. Don't soul, wait. Don't hesitate. You got to vaccinate in the Lone Star State. Vaccination <laughs> is so great. Vaccinate me all day long. Vaccinate your dad and mom. Vaccinate my body. Vaccinate me at the party. I vaccine dream. I love the vaccine all day long. I want you to vaccinate your mom. I want to stick it. Get deep in your arm, Omar. Where are you? I want to vaccinate you, but you can't hear my song. 
This is vaccination really like vaccination right or wrong. Dr. Fauci, give me that ouchie. I want it in my body. Vaccinate me to go to the party. Oh, Mara's back. Vaccinate me white or black. Vaccinate you. Vaccinate who? Vaccinate you all day long. Vaccinate your dad and mom. Vaccinate okay, me in my phone. Okay, Vaccinate okay. the mayor. I we'll am a, a vaccination second. player. What can I say? Ya? I'm the real round say prime. You guys, nah, nah, nah. On tell the me in the chat all the time. I blow your mind. I spit your rhyme. Me I commit to crime. I'm always on time because I'm nine and nine. Alex, that, and I grind a shot and I blow your mind one more time. Vaccinate your mind. Vaccinate tell your body. Vaccinate your life you. in your vaccination party. I love y'all. Peace. God bless. Follow my Instagram. <laughs> IG. Your time is up. Prime time your time, your time Thank is you. up. Brian. Okay, so as I said, I know some people who, and he said lots of people were fooled by this, this parody. Um, tell me if you were one of those people. Because when I saw it at first, I wasn't sure. And then by the time maybe you got to the second verse, I was like, no, no, this guy, this guy's being silly. Wait, he's back. Look I'm at your back. background. Way nicer now. Now we're in the conspiracy castle. I hope you recognize yeah. it. Now we're getting reprogrammed, not deprogrammed, because I got the. Now I got all the tech going my way. What can I say? I am very happy to see your fancy background. Um, why don't you tell people, since we just started with your video, can you tell me a little bit about your background? You're a comedian, but what kind of comedy background do you have? Really, I'm a performance artist. I'm like okay. Prince, all right? And let me tell okay. you a little bit about my background. I'm primetime 99 Alex Stein. I was captain of my high school football team. That's why I'm number 99. That's why I always blow your mind. And so let me tell you. So I, I graduated from LSU, and they had a comedy competition, like, you know, best comedian at the school. Mm -hmm. And it was actually every year. And I always got second place uh, for two years. And then my third year, the year I graduated, I won the bitch. So I thought I was like some <laughs> hot shot comedian. I moved to L.A., like doing the open mics, and I didn't have a job. And I went to Central casting like the old cliche and i got a job because i looked young for my age even though i was like 23 i looked really young and i did a lot of 18 to look younger so i did a bunch of you know gigs there i almost worked every day as an extra and then i started like auditioning for random reality shows and i got on this show called the glass house on abc and it was airing after the bachelor oh, and it, it was a copy of it was a copy of uh of uh big brother where you live in a house you vote each other okay. off i think do you know do you know mike harlow why does that sound familiar, Mike Carlo? I don't know. No, he's is he a producer on, or something? No, he's he's been on Chrissy's show before too. He's a part of Walk Away. Um, and he told me, I think I think he's the one that told me he has a he has a friend that was on that show with you. If I'm getting it right, uh, probably anyway. uh, Mike Harlow here. I'm trying to see if I know who he is, but regardless, I was on that stupid show yeah. and I, I, I decided to be the freaking villain. Cause the producer's kind of like, Oh, if you're the villain, you know, you're going to like stay to the end and all this stuff. But I acted like a freaking idiot. I didn't know how to be a villain. Like the girls, I would be like, Oh, every time you leave the bathroom, it smells like orange scented poop. Like, you know, I was just very mean. There's a girl that was in playboy. I was like, you're a stripper. I don't need your opinion. I was really a little too toxic. So then wait, they wait, wait. Me can you tell people before you tell can you tell people do they they kind of script it like that some people don't realize that about reality kind of well i mean yeah i mean i guess it kind of influenced you there wasn't like necessarily a script you know but yeah they all have influence like they said the audience voted but they really even in the, the paperwork you sign the producer has discretion to pick who goes and leaves they have the discretion to do whatever so they could cheat a game in your favor so yeah that stuff happens but you might not necessarily know the producer's not going to be like wink wink i'm going to cheat that because you play games for immunity and stuff like that where you solve a puzzle or you do whatever 
so yeah they cheated that way but but like like they were telling me oh you're gonna say to the end you're so funny and this and that and i just i wasn't myself i was like trying to be somebody else that was my biggest mistake so i was a little jaded and i moved back to dallas and i got a job working for the tv show cheaters and that's a trash reality show where we catch people cheating on their husbands and wives and we confront them in public I signed an NDA, so I can only say too much stuff about that. But what I'm saying is, so I worked on that for forever, but my buddy is the host. He was Clark Gable's grandson. It used to be this guy, Joey Greco, but then they hired this guy from California. And Clark was my bud. He was my same age. He was like, you know, like six months younger than me. And um, he ended up after season 17 in like 2019, he died of a fentanyl overdose. He went and bought like oxycodone or like Vicodin. And it had fentanyl in it and he died. It was like really sad. And, and after that, I changed my life because I'd had a cavity during that season. I remember there was one episode where I was like, man, I can't even go. My tooth hurt so much before I went and got a root canal. And he gave me a pain pill and I took it and I went, you know, I did the, the show. And after he died, knowing that he had like the highest drug tolerance of anybody I've ever seen. Like when I say that, you know, how you know people that just can drink mm-hmm. a bunch and do a bunch. He did. And the fact that he died with this 19 month old baby in bed and his like fiance, I was like, wow, you know, like that could have been me. So I yeah. stopped drinking, got in really good shape. And, you know, about a month later, the guy that owns a, the production company, he's like, Alex, you're going to be the next host of Cheaters. I'm like happy, but I'm also sad that Clark died. As in, I was in like this really weird mental state. I was like over-exercising. I got in the best shape of my life. I need to get in that shape again. But neither here nor there. What I'm saying is then when it came time around April 2020 to – start hosting the show they picked this guy this dj out of new york named peter guns who was like a famous dj uh you know he's like a 52 year old like black dude you know totally different you know more of like yeah. uh you know more of the audience kind of um pick which is fine but i didn't want to keep on working there so one of the guys that worked on the show is like you should start your own podcast and that was the first episode he helped me do the cameras and the, and the audio he had like a little studio i used his studio at first and that's when i started doing the conspiracy castle uh, in May 26, I think it was the first episode I posted. Wow. And then shortly shortly thereafter, I started going to city council meetings. And I guess my story is, I went to the city council meetings. Gosh, I'm talking fast. I went to the city council meetings, very speaking like you just did, very earnestly. And we need to, you know, if people don't know that uh, Carrie just went and spoke at a city council meeting. And they just, they don't care. You know, they're looking it wasn't at their funny. <laughs> well, it, 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 my first one wasn't really funny. I mean, I, I mean, I'm kind of naturally like joke around, but I was serious. I was like, you know, these lockdowns aren't necessarily, you know, based in reality or science. Like they closed down the public restrooms at the outdoor park at Bachman Lake Park. So you had to use a porta potty. I'm like, how is this dirty porta potty, you know, more sanitary than the open air bathrooms? Like they, they know the, yeah. the bathrooms. It's just because they didn't want them to use, you know, they didn't want people to use the park. So that's why they, they and they unhooked all the water fountains. So I'd walk my dog there. So I couldn't even use the dog water fountain. It just didn't make sense. You know, and that's what I complained about. I'm like, why not keep the water fountains on and keep the bathrooms open? Like, but because they, they wanted to shut it down. They thought I was an idiot conspiracy theorist. And that's when I realized I got to go crazy. And one of the first things I said is our mayor, Eric Johnson, I was like, you know, you had to do a free vaccine clinic in the gay neighborhood and call it Eric Johnson's free Johnson and Johnson because, <laughs> because the gay community would love the double entendre. And I was like, since you're the first openly gay mayor of Dallas and he's not, he's a black dude that's married to like happily married with kids. And his eyes are just like, you know, he didn't like that. And so when I got that response, because I talk about this, these politicians are NPCs, non-playable characters. Like they don't want to get involved yep. with us unless we're some like donator or we work for a company that can benefit them. They don't want to get in the mud with us. Yeah. They're too busy, you know. And so that's when I started the culture jamming. You, th- this is incredible. So first thing that strikes me is 
that you not getting that role in Cheaters was one of the best things that's happened to you. Right? You're 100% right. And because now you get to be yourself and do your own thing. And I just want to highlight that for anyone listening. That's, that's I keep learning this lesson in life is sometimes things that you're going through that are really, if something happens to you, you think it's bad or you don't get something you want or whatever. And it, it, in the moment, you can't see what's coming next because you have no idea what's on the other side. And and just keep that in mind when you're in the middle of that bad thing. That I think that's that's a great story because then you just started like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to culture jam. Is that what you, that's what you call it? That's what they call it. And I didn't even, you know, somebody else started calling it that because that's where you take the most absurd parts of our culture and jam it in people's face. You know, that's why you thought like, oh, is this guy is serious? And with the vaccination wrap, because you saw all these TikTok people dancing in the ICU. Yes. Um, but no, to, to your point you just made, and I, I hate whenever I quote this guy, but Dan Bilzerian, you know, the crazy guy that's on Instagram with all like the horrors, you know, the guy I'm talking about. Oh, you I don't, don't know. know. He's like, that's probably good, but he's like got like millions of followers and he's just always like posting pictures with girls and thongs. And, and, you know, he's like this, you know, supposedly multimillionaire, but it's weird how he has money, but he's basically an Instagram celebrity. It's, he's, this is not about him, but it's about, he told this story on Joe Rogan's podcast about the proverb about the Chinese farmer. And it goes like this, like there was a Chinese farmer and uh, one day his horse ran away and everybody in the town, you know, came up to him like, Oh, that's so bad. That's so terrible that your horse ran away. And the Chinese farmer's like, maybe then the next day, you know, uh, the Chinese farmer's horse came back with seven other horses and everybody in the town was like, Oh, that's so great. Now you have all these horses. And he's like, maybe. And then the third day, his son's legs got trampled tending to the horses and everybody's like oh that's so terrible your poor son got trampled by the horses that's so bad and the chinese farmer's like maybe and then the fourth day the conscription service the draft came around and they didn't draft his son because his son's legs were all mangled so everybody's like oh that's so great your son doesn't have to go to the war and fight and he's like maybe so the whole you know moral of the story yes. is you don't know what is bad or good until you get some perspective oh that's so good that gave me chills that's exactly what it's like you don't know because you, you have no idea what's on the other side of something that you're viewing as bad in the moment. Yeah. Um, you, you know where you should apply that to the most? And I guess I haven't been dating that much the last two years. And I've always, always been a serial dater because I'm a content creator now. So I'm so narcissistic and involved. It's kind of hard to date. But I'm, I'm talking about you kind of have to apply that to relationships because like you when you break up with somebody you're like this is the end of the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. really, it's not, you know, another door opens up and it's, I'm 35. You kind of don't learn that till you're 30 and you've had a few breakups. But gosh, I remember some breakups in my 20s. I wasn't necessarily suicidal, but I was very like black pill, like, oh, this is the end, you know? And it, it's funny how it was and now looking back, I'm like, gosh, I'm so happy I'm not with that girl, you know? And, and I guess that's just a good example of where you don't even realize you don't have the perspective to see that it's probably a good thing that it's over. Yeah. Same thing with jobs like life situations mm -hmm. things that you know you lose it and then but you don't know or even to talk about culture you know i've gone through a great unfriending when i left woke ideology i know a lot of people who are watching have probably gone through something like that on some scale and even those things that kind of loss on the other side there's always things you, you can't imagine yet because it, it it creates that space in your life for something else so anyway i love that you didn't get the cheaters role 
You, yeah. you'd be on that show right now, like, oh, that'd be so cheesy. And you get to do what you want. It is so do cheesy. <laughs> no, and you you nailed it. The fact that like people are like, oh, Alex, you know, you're doing this for cloud or you know, whenever you go. And I'm like, a little bit, you know, I want people to watch my podcast. I want people to know who I am. But at the same time, this is me. Like, I am a freak. I'm insane. I, my parents, when they got divorced, they fought for custody of, of my family dog, Primo. So <laughs> he would go wherever I went, like on the weekend. So I was basically raised by a German shepherd. I'm an insane person. I want that known. <laughs> And so I'm just really just leaning into it instead of trying to like, you know, worry about the opinions of others. I'm trying to be unapologetically myself. And ever since I started doing that, it's been successful. Not that my life is some super success, but I guess I have like less stress because dude, and I don't mean to call you dude, Carrie. It's like, I had a lot. Well, you talk about the great unfriending. Like I had issues with, you know, kind of unfriending even before I got like woke just, you know, cause my friends were getting married and I wasn't married. And, and I kind of thought that was the worst thing too. Um, and I guess I wasn't myself. Like I was, uh, you know, kind of stubborn and that's not necessarily a good thing. I'm just saying like, I should have been more unapologetically myself. And I think some of those relationships would have worked out better instead of like, uh, you know, causing division, trying to like, you know, keep a friendship and alienate other friends, I guess, you know, that that's what happened. Like some of my friends groups split up cause people were getting married. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say, it's like, um, you live and you learn, I guess is what I'm saying. And now I'm, I've learned a little bit more at 35 than I did at 25. Yeah. So you were just banned from Twitter. Um, is it a permanent ban? No, it makes me sick. So let's get into it just a little bit. So there's this like local freelance journalist who sucks. I don't want to say his name, but he um, he just writes. He talks about how he's you know specialized in disinformation. So he's been writing about me since I had a small podcast since the Conspiracy Castle was small because I went to some BLM rallies and asked him what they thought about Patrice Cullors owning like $6.5 million in real estate. And uh, the videos didn't even get that many hits, like 5,000, maybe 10,000 hits. Uh, yeah. But so this guy, he hates my guts. And I don't. I, the only reason I never blocked him is because I'm like not afraid of him. But so I went this weekend and I went viral for the clips. You know, I had a few clips get like 1.5 million, get like 800,000, 900,000. Wow. Like, then another clip got, you know, 1.2 million. So I got nearly like 4 million views in, in two days. And that pissed him off. So he went and massacred everything. Let me let me interrupt before you tell me what he did, because for anybody who doesn't know, this was happening in Dallas and you brought a lot of attention to what was going on there, which was uh, a show that was called Drag Your Children to Pride. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And this is a this is a uh, listen, I'm not homophobic. I don't. And that's what they're saying. Oh, you're homophobic. You're transphobic. No, I don't care about the gay community. I don't have I mean, I, I support the gay community. Honestly, I just don't support the sexualization of children. And that's what this was like. This is on the flyer. Hey, kids, come learn how to sashay, learn how to drag. And inside this club, it bar. was. Yeah, at a bar, at, at a gay bar in Dallas that, you know, the host, the guy that owns it also co-hosts a show with the Real Housewives of Dallas. And like he talks about like the sinister stuff that happens in his bar. You know, he's talking about it like on the podcast, not in like, you know, just the gay community. I'm not even trying to demonize the gay community. I'm just talking about it. He talks about what it's like to own a bar. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens if you own a bar. And this is before the idea that there was ever going to be like a drag queen race for kids or whatever you want to call it. So... This guy has has a thing for underage kids in a 21 and only bar, and they don't normally have a menu, but because it was brunch, they had like a brunch menu that day. And they had little kids in there. They had toddlers up until like nine, eight-year-olds. I mean, very young kids. And they had them like simulating a, you know, a, basically like a stripper's runway. They had all the little kids have ones and they're tipping her. Then they'd have the kids like come walk on the stage. They had them playing like musical chairs. They had little toddlers in there blasting bass music with no, you know, earplugs for the little toddlers. It was just very weird. Like, 
I talk about this and I've described it to multiple people. People, it has the vibe of like, you know, the first time you go to a concert and people's like, here's a joint. Like the first drug you do is always yeah. free, you know? It's like, oh, here, try an ecstasy pill. It had that vibe, like to these kids, like, come try, come inside the bar, see what it's like to be a little kid in a very adult setting, you know? It's fun. It's yeah. so fun. It's weird. It's creepy. And there was a big neon sign in the background of everything that said it's not going to lick itself. Yeah. Which and so, visually was probably the most disturbing thing about the videos i think yeah well it's um, the sexual innuendos i talked about that earlier like there were so many innuendos that's the part of it. it's called like mr mr m-i-s-s-t-e-r you know kind of like you know this this weird you know kind of like transsexual bar which is fine like i said i don't really, i hate to call me transphobic or homophobic i have gay family members that i love very much i don't care really you know all the, uh, you know people are like oh you're conservative really i'm more of a populist and some of these right-wing conservatives i don't vibe with them they're like oh i don't like gay people they're bad i don't care i don't even care if gay marriage exists but i have friends that are like really staunchly against that but i don't care i, I don't really i don't like marriage the idea of marriage very much cuz my parents got divorced and they remarried other people and got divorced so I'm kind of like jaded on that. I know a lot of people that have their parents have stayed together. So they think marriage is a great thing to me. It's like, ah, oh, it's kind of like an unnecessary contract. If you really love somebody, you love somebody. But what I want to, my point being is this isn't about gay marriage, which I, which I'm not against. This is about the sexualization of children inside of a place that was very weird. Cause I tried to go in, of course they knew who I was. They stopped me. They assaulted me. They kicked my phone over my hand. You know, they really like, you know, they make fun of my mom being dead. Cause they all knew who it is. You know, they're like, they're just, they say the worst stuff. Cause they feel like since I'm against them, I'm evil. And this is what was so weird about it is at least the drag queen story time that they do in all the libraries. It's like out in the open at this bar. They had all the windows closed and then that had a clear glass door as the main door. They even put paper over it like the election. So you couldn't see in. And it was just if you're trying to hide. Well, I mean, if you're doing this, why are you trying to hide if you're not doing anything weird? Yeah. So were you assaulted? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I was one of the ones that called the cops and you look at like the media that's covering it. You know, I got a favorable coverage by, of course, you know, Tucker Carlson. He likes me. He's a really great guy. I love Tucker. But then you look at the left wing media, uh, media like salon.com and stuff. They're calling me a fascist or calling me like a bigot, uh, which, you know, it's not the case, but of course that's what they say. Cause you're going and protesting a kid's drag race, but they don't talk about that on the left side. You know, it's funny on the right side, they're going to, you know, they're going to be like, and I'm not saying the right's always hundred percent, right. They're just like, this is disgusting. Cause this is a kid's sexualization of a drag queen story time in a bar where they shouldn't be allowed. They're at least mentioning that. And then the left, they don't want to mention that. They're just like, Oh, these are bigots that don't want little kids to have fun at a family friendly event. Like, you know, they're calling, oh, they said that they're putting kids are dollars, putting dollars in the underwear of these dancers. Adult yeah. Dancers. And like the, they're even like championing. They're like, well, the kids were served mocktails, even though the parents are drinking. You know, the kids are like, why did a little kid at nine year old, nine years old shouldn't even be simulating drinking alcohol? That's that's disgusting. So the reason why this is such a big deal, because everybody wants to be like, oh, Disney's a groomer. Everybody's a groomer. This was like concrete evidence of grooming of like adults sexualizing children and trying to get it socially acceptable. The idea of like, um, drag race, there people are like, Oh, or drag, you know, a drag show. Oh, that's not inherently sexual. It's very sexual. Like they're all in knee high boots and thongs with fake boobs and fake butts. Like it was a very sexual yeah. vibe there. That's, that's just a lie to say the drag show doesn't have any sort of sexuality in it. I think it's like pure female. They want pure feminine sexuality. That's what they're mm -hmm. trying to do. Yeah. So 
you mentioned that they don't want to talk about the, the left doesn't want to, they don't want to make a defense of the sexualization of children. They kind of avoid what's happening there. That was my experience in the video. You saw me speaking at my, my little town's city council. They had a mural that was painted by um, using taxpayer money, the, the middle school and Georgetown ISD. They had these 10 to 13 year olds paint a mural that had all these different flags for sexualities um, and uh, I guess identity. So it was like the transgender flag, non-binary, pansexual. And they had kids do the pansexual flag. I saw like yeah. Bill Maher. He's actually been kind yeah. of uh, a political ideology is not the same as mine, but he's been highlighting those flags. So how many flags was it? I, th Carrie? I think there were eight of them and I was able to identify all but all but one. I'm sorry. I've got some plumbers here today. So you might oh, hear no. them. They've been. No worries. Yeah, they're giving they're helping us get a shower in this new old house. Um, but anyway. Uh, uh, yes, it was the pansexual flag, which, you know what, to me, that might have been more offensive to me than the non-binary and transgender, because it's like, why does a 10-year-old need to know what pansexuality is and paint and be used to paint the flag for it? Um, but they wouldn't offer a defense of it. Even, even the people who associated with the Arts Council who spoke on it, because there was one woman who's a professor at the university here who um, used to be on the Arts Council. She came and spoke at the city council the week before me. And unlike the employees on the council now who, who deny that those flags mean anything, like they were trying to say, oh, it's just arts up for interpretation. These colors just randomly ended up <laughs> yeah, in these flags, right? Sure. Right. So she at least admitted these are LGBT flags, but she didn't say one single thing about, yeah, but why are kids painting these? Like nothing. Well, of course not. But that's how they indoctrinate them. It's like, oh, this is going to be the fun day where we paint stuff. But then you're painting like this weird social agenda item that shouldn't even be talked about at this age. So that's how you secretly teach them that. They're like, mommy, daddy, I painted this pink and blue flag. And it means this, like, cause you're, you know, as a kid, yeah. you're naturally like inquisitive. So that's how they get, they get the kid to ask a question and like, me. I'm not even trying to virtue signal with the content I create. I'm not even trying to make people have the same viewpoint, but I'm kind of trying to do that same thing that they're trying to propagandize to kids. I'm trying to make people ask questions about our reality because that's how people learn because you, you don't learn anything until you ask like what it is. And you're like, what is that? And then you, that's the thirst of knowledge. And so that's what you give kids by making them question this. Now they're like thirsty for this knowledge about pansexualism or transgenderism, which might have been a subject that they probably shouldn't have learned about till 15 or 16 at the earliest, you know? Yeah. If you were to come to my city council and do a funny speech uh, about this issue, what would you do? Well, see, <laughs> you know, because I, I was trying to give you an idea. Well, like for me, I mean, I might do anything. I'm insane. But like <laughs> if you if you wanted to be funny, though, and you kind of want to be, um, you know, goofy in a way that's entertaining, the best way to, to be is like, you know, you dress up as a weird teacher and talk about <laughs> how much you love CRT. Like you would be good at that, Carrie. They would think you're real. You know, you'd be like, I think we should teach all kids that, you know, white <laughs> guilt is you know, mandatory and that, you know, we still, this is some stolen <laughs> land from Indians and that we need to mandate vaccines for, you know, toddlers. If you went like full crazy, that's the culture jam that you have to do because we live in like this world where, like I was telling you to make people question the reality, like one of my heroes is a guy named Andy Kaufman and that's what he did. Yeah. He learned, he blurred the line of reality and fiction. So you went there and they could tell you were like ultra serious, you know, like, Oh, she's like seriously passionate about it. So immediately they're like, change the channel, you know, turn it off, look mm -hmm. at my phone. 
But if you kind of like blur the line, you act crazy. And then they have to be like, wait, is she this bonkers? Like, is she this insane? <laughs> it actually gives you attention. And I'm an attention whore. I'm the class clown. So I know <laughs> that's what you got to You can't play them straight um, because they're trying to be straight. They're worried about their appearance. So you kind of have to go there and not worry about it, which is easier said than done because public speaking is one of the biggest fears. People like arachnophobia, mm -hmm. flying. Oh, yeah. Public speaking like ranks like just right above that for most people. Is it a fear for you? It, it is for me. I'm getting over it by doing it more, but. No, not at all. I mean, I wish I had more jokes as I'm doing stand-up comedy. That's more about writing. But like the, the idea of public speaking in college, those are the only classes I got A's in. I took public speaking, advanced public speaking, because I got a minor in communications. No, I could sit and talk in front of a room. And I, I'm actually better talking more seriously and putting in a few jokes than like the Louis C.K., I wish I had more jokes to say, I guess what I'm saying, because that's more writing. But when it comes to actually publicly speaking, it's like that's like one of my favorite things to, to do. It just feels good. And um, I kind of almost like I don't like I said, I don't want to be like super serious, but I, I kind of like the idea of not necessarily just going up there and saying set up punchline jokes. I kind of like talking about, you know, complex things in a non-complex way. It's like my favorite delivery method. Mm hmm. Have you ever thought of doing something uh, sort of like a, a one man show or a because that you could be more serious and punctuate it with the absurdity and the comedy? Yeah. And that's kind of what I need to plan out. Like I sold out two shows, not trying to put myself in the back. They're only you know 75 <laughs> seats in Phoenix. And I did an hour long and it was almost kind of like a one man show. And I like put on my Alexandria, uh, you know, women's bathing suit. Of course, I have to cross dress to get any likes because I'm, I'm so insane in the membrane. But yes, I, that's kind of where I need to take it, where it's a little different than your normal comedian, because I'm very self-deprecating. Not that a lot of comics aren't, but I kind of like don't have a ton of shame. So I guess... And that could be a bad thing too. It's like I kind of like being the the brunt of my own jokes, is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. You know, mm -hmm. I don't really care because I want to make people laugh. Like I talk about this all the time. We're under so much trauma-based mind control, and you know this. Like just constantly under oh, six hundred thousand dead, seven hundred thousand dead. You know, war in Ukraine, take away our guns, school shooting, blah blah. It's never like anything positive. It's never like, well, the horizon's looking good. It's always like, oh, we're fucked. You know, and so, you know, it's just kind of um, I kind of want to like break free of that trauma based mind control yeah. somehow. What I like about your comedy is, like you said, well, it's absurdist. It's that it, it is like Andy Kaufman and it's also silly. There's so much joy in it in these crazy times to have that kind of silly approach to it. It just makes me happy. I, I can't. There's not a video of yours I, I've watched that I haven't laughed at because it's just you're just having fun with it. And. I saw someone at the beginning. I saw a naysayer at the sometime at the beginning of this video in the chat that was like, "Why are we wasting time on this guy?" Um, not yeah, saying that there's always yeah, there's no, always no, 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 no. Yeah, okay. The, the the bigger I get, the more hate I'm gonna get, and I've actually understand yeah. that. So that's that's kind of it's almost like a thing. When when I, nobody knew who I was, I didn't get hardly any hate. So now mm -hmm. that I'm getting hate, it kind of shows like, well, now I'm starting. I haven't arrived, but I'm getting close to arriving, kind of. Yeah. Well, the, well, what I would answer to that is uh, I don't obviously don't think it's a waste of time. And I think what you're doing is using comedy, using humor, because I used to work with comedians. I managed comics mm -hmm, when yeah. I was in social justice. And and I, it was like we can use humor to educate people about, you know, all these isms. That's why so then my ideology was wrong. But the idea of, of using humor to get people to ask questions, to provoke thought the way the way that you're talking about, that's right. It just depends on what you're trying to provoke, right? 
Um, and you're doing that because it's it's so over the top. It gets shared. More people see it. There are now more people that know about what was happening at that bar at um, yeah. Pride, you know, with kids. So I'm sorry you got assaulted. I'm sorry you got banned. So uh, can you can you catch me up with you said it was a journalist who had been oh, yeah. targeting you? Yeah, because we got on a, a little mm. diatribe. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like this journalist that always targets me. Like anytime I have a viral video, he like shares like this. Oh, well, Alex talks about conspiracy. They all call me QAnon. I don't even believe QAnon, but that's what, you know, because I mm -hmm. talk about conspiracy. They're like he's a Q affiliated guy. Yeah. I'm like, give me a freaking break. Yeah, right. So he's always like, you know, whenever it's like some normal blue check mark shares my thing, like, look at this crazy person. Like, no, he's trolling. He's this. So he's like always on my thing. I should have blocked him. But he mass reported a tweet where I said sick psychopaths because I'm talking about the people that assaulted me and, and they banned me. They gave me a, t a 12 hour suspension for hate speech. But I, in order to start the 12 hour suspension, you have to click the delete button. And the delete button means that you agree with the guilty plea. And I appealed it. And my appeal process, like I said, I'm on 72 hours. I haven't heard back. And for people like this, where it's kind of in the middle, like Babylon B had a similar thing and they don't want to hit the delete button because it admits mm -hmm. their guilt and they don't think what they did was hate speech. You just stay locked out. At least if you click the delete button, you, you can look at your account and check your messages while you're on suspension. Like I can't even do that. So now I'm in a waiting game and it can take months for them to respond. And they probably do not like my political ideology. So they're probably going to make it as hard as possible for me not to click that button. And I'm just now up to nearly 150,000 Twitter followers, which took forever to build that. So they see, well, I appreciate that. I think I'm like 145 or 144, but I'm getting close. And they, sh they of course they want to shut me down because I've been a little effective. And that's what yeah. they have to do. And, and you talked about that, like the left wing that they use comedy too. I don't know if it's, it's that funny anymore guys like, yeah. you know, um, but what's the guy for uh, the daily show? What? I can't even think of his name. I know his name. Trevor I Noah. Think, yeah. Trevor. <laughs> no, I mean, he stinks, you know, uh, but he's a propagandist as, as, as big as they yeah. get. Yeah. I think that the longer you stay in it, uh, the more corrupted you get because I actually met him a few years ago. Well, actually more than a few Oh my goodness. It's been that long. So when I was doing totally biased, that was around 2010, 2011. And wow. he had just started or was just about to start doing the daily show, I think. And, um, I think the longer that you stay in that ideology and you're getting success from it, the more corrupted you become and the more willing you are just to say things and push the, the, the corporate narrative or the political narrative or what have you, because that's your job. Like you just view it as your job. So, well, and you know, it's funny. I mean, I, like I said, even though I'm on the blaze, which is kind of more conservative, I'm more of a populist than I am a conservative. I don't understand these people that have all this mainstream success on the left. Why aren't they more of a populist? Like, why are they so identity politicized? I just don't get why people don't have any political autonomy anymore. Like they have to be identified as a political leaning one way or the other. And that's kind of what makes me sick is because everybody's a phony in that sense, because probably Trevor Noah is a multimillionaire. He probably has a lot of conservative values. You know, he probably doesn't like being in a certain tax bracket. He probably doesn't like high rates of crime and this and that. But because yeah. all the because the mainstream media is owned by people that, you know, lean a certain way, you have to lean into that same direction in order to keep your job. Yeah. Well, it's social control. It's it's um everyone conforms to the environment that they're in some more than others, obviously. Um, but because their, their whole ecosystem is woke, they're going to stay woke until we do enough until people do enough to change culture that even their ecosystem changes, 
you know, by force of nature. When people start buying some shows that are not woke, then all the people who are pitching shows, all the comedians, they'll switch. They'll go, they'll go anti-woke. I know some of them, they weren't woke at all until it went mainstream. And then suddenly they've got woke comedy shows. I'm like, that guy's never even done that kind of material before. But, you know, that's what it took to get a show. So I'm sorry I was distracted. I just put your, for anybody. Um, yeah, I know. I just clicked. I just yeah. checked when you put my thing. I just checked to see if my yeah. Twitter's been unbanned. I keep looking at my phone every few minutes. Like, am I getting an email? Is it appealed or not? Because if they deny my appeal, I guess I'm going to have to click delete. I don't know. It just makes me sick. I just, I just hate waiting and like i know they're probably mass reporting me now on other stuff it just yeah makes me sick that i can't go in and block them uh so i'm just really at this like i have anxiety about it but you know this is what we were talking about earlier you know if i get my twitter shut down it's gonna suck it's gonna make me a little less well known but it's like the story of the chinese farmer it'll probably make me better in some sort of yeah. way by not being on that yeah yeah who knows um, yeah, so for anybody that's not following Alex, I put it in the chat so you can go follow him when he comes back because I think you will be coming back. What sucks about what they're doing to you, though, and they I know people they've done this to as well, they put you in that disgusting position where it's like, we're going to take away these rights and privileges, Twitter rights and privileges. We're going to mm -hmm. take away these privileges uh, unless you admit guilt and you do this act, unless you become part of the lie, Right. Yeah. It's so gross. It's so gross. And they, it's that you're, you know, you're weighing it. Like, can I, can I be okay with having to delete it? I think they did this to billboard Chris the other day. Do you know who he is? I've heard, yeah, I've heard of him, uh, but <clears> what, he, what did he, did he well, click delete? I think he ended up clicking delete. He also, that may not have been what changed it though. Cause he also went to Twitter headquarters in San Francisco and, and tried to he, talk to him. Yes. And he did get a meeting. And he talked to someone like he just showed up with his billboards. So he does billboards. So what for... happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen this guy. Yeah, billboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he does like the train. So what happened when he went to uh, uh, San Francisco, Silicon Valley? They said, oh, we'll have a meeting with you. He said it was a success. And the next thing I know, he was back on Twitter. I think he talked to someone. He said, I'm going to look him up on Instagram because it. I remember I was surprised that it was something positive that came from that. I'm about to have to fly to San Francisco to get my Twitter back. Oh my God. You should. I know I will. I'm flying to California. I'm, I'm going on a lot. Of, I see. I didn't, I didn't fly at all, Carrie, for two years because of the stupid mass mandates. Now, if they even brought the mandates back, I'm still not going to ever spend two years of my life not traveling but i got a bunch of trips planned i'm going to new york i'm going to la i'm cool. going to maine like literally in the next you know couple of weeks so i'm just saying it looks like san francisco is where i gotta add that to that itinerary. oh my gosh yeah yeah so here's what he said he says uh i'm back i have faith in humans so i walked into twitter headquarters today and it worked yeah Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have to go in Twitter headquarters with my suit on and and you know talk really nice. Uh, go go in in the swimsuit. I think that's the yeah. One. They like that. Uh, do you mind if I play just? I, I'm not gonna play no, the whole thing, just a portion of that one. Okay, because that was one of my other favorite ones. Um, let me pull this up. <laughs> I just have to wait till the ad stops. Stupid ad. Okay. I know. I know, I know, I know. So <clears> annoying, <throat> this freaking Twitter ad. So you got you don't have the the Twitter Plus or whatever. I have it. It's awesome. No, I'm I pay yeah, Twitter premium, but it's expensive, but you gotta have it. What does it allow you to do? You just don't have to do any commercials whatsoever. 
Okay, here we go. Can you guys see that? I think so. Yeah. I'm currently being restricted <laughs> swimming in this. This is what I'm going to wear in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Even though it's clear that I reassigned yes. my gender last week. Like, for example, do I look like a, like a man? Obviously, I'm not. This is a woman. But they're not going to let me swim and compete against the ladies because of transphobia. So what I need you guys to do is I need you to wake up. We have champions like Leah Thomas. She's an NCAA champion the best swimmer in college today. I can't get a scholarship unless I'm able to send a recruiting tape to these colleges. So they say, oh, oh, you have an unfair advantage, Alexandria. What What looks like, does this look like an unfair advantage to y'all? <laughs> That's does the this best look like part. an unfair advantage? There's nothing unfair about this. I mean, look at me. I'm freaking, I'm the same as a girl. But yet, you guys are going to let transphobia run rampant. Paige, I'm so worried. You're the city attorney. You really got to stand up and do something because, you know, that is gender bias. And I don't like gender bias. I'm on hormone therapy. So my estrogen levels are so high, they're through the roof. But you guys are going to sit I here. I got to lose some weight. I'm watching myself. I'm trying to compete. And yes, I was born a boy. So what, guys? This is 2022. It doesn't matter what you're born. We have Kintaji Brown Jackson even says she doesn't even know what a woman is. So then I'm a woman. So that's what you guys have to do. If the Supreme Court justice is on my side, then why can't I get the same from the Plano City Council? That's the problem is I come here and I'm still a victim of transphobia. Yet we have champions like my girl, Leah, my sister, and she is she gets to win. But I don't. Why not? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> That's the best. This is one of my favorites. No, if you lose weight, is that the, that was part of the, the funny part. You're like, the wings. Like I know, because I am fat. I know, but I, and I shaved my chest for that. Now my chest hair is back, but it's been, it's been so itchy, Carrie. I don't know if it's worth it. But fat. You're yeah, not fat. Yeah. You're just not no, a, I'm not a super fat, but I, no, no, no way. But I really, I, well, I just say that too. It's like, you know, we all need to get in a little better physical shape because I actually blame the pandemic. Like everybody, I got kicked out of the Y for not wearing my mask. I used to exercise like crazy and I just because of COVID. So I just, you know, it just kind of sucks. Like I, I can almost look back and be like, well, you know, I guess COVID is kind of good because like it gave me time to like start creating content. But really, it sucks. I mean, there's like that's like the only positive thing is, you know, I guess I had more free time to create content. But man, it just I'm still we're still having the after effects of the lockdowns and we're going to have them probably for the rest of our lives, especially all the kids that can't read it like a third grade level or that are reading at a third grade level that are like freshmen and sophomores in high school. Like somehow, you know, you know, it just stunted the, uh, you know, maturation of so many kids education. Yeah. Did you see that the CDC put out something saying um, they're moving back they're They're moving the benchmarks for the time at which children should be speaking uh, words and a certain amount of words they're they're pushing all those back but they oh did, my they, god yeah they didn't attribute it to the lockdowns or anything they just said hey we've we've got an update to when when is it normal for a kid to, to know 10 words you know 50 words and all of those got pushed back with no acknowledgement of of why that might be well, you know, when we yeah. watch the movie Idiocracy, it, that's a documentary. I mean, like Mike Judge, I think it was the guy that directed it. And when I first saw it, I'm like, this is stupid. When in the future, we're not going to be dumber, but we literally are going to be dumber. It's kind of scary, really. It's very yeah. frightening. I, I wonder if I could ask you something, switch to some, something a little more serious again for a second. You mentioned that um, your friend's death really affected you and changed your life. And mm -hmm. 
and you got sober then. How long ago was that? Well, now, I mean, it's 2019. So, I mean, it's a little over yeah. three years. And that's when I, I just stopped drinking and I haven't drank since. But after he died, I stopped smoking weed. But then I kind of went back to smoking weed. But now I, I totally quit. I, I had to, I totally stopped. You know, my mom passed away uh, in October of I'm 2022. Sorry. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just had to quit smoking weed. Every time I'd smoke weed, I would like basically start crying because I was so depressed. And so that was, I mean, obviously it's the worst thing ever that my mom died, you know, but, um, the, the, at least I quit smoking weed because I realized it was just a crutch and that it was actually making me feel worse. And a lot of people don't realize that because I know a lot of people use marijuana and it really kind of just masks the depression. You think it's like an antidepressant. And I'm not saying don't smoke, like, you know, whatever. I'm not even trying to be a virtue signaler or straight edge. But that was actually probably one of the, the best things that happened to me was quitting marijuana. And, and marijuana is fun, but it, it was making me lethargic and more uh, depressed. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed a difference in your comedy or in your daily life? Having, cause I have, oh. I've, I've been sober. It's, it's been uh, probably around the same time since 2019. Yeah. Um, with no alcohol. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My life is a million times better. I have nightmares sometimes where I'm shit facing my nightmare and I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, thank I wake up. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I'm not drunk. Like I literally have, no desire sky bear my cousin went crazy i and and you would think that because so, every there's so many people that are like alcoholics they're like the weekend alcoholic most people are if you binge drink even a little bit you're basically an alcoholic and i'm not trying to say that to demonize people that drink a lot but you don't realize like the effect that it has not even the physical effect but the mental health effect there's so many people that say they struggle for depression well you're never ever going to get the chemical imbalance in your brain right by constantly killing you know, brain cells through alcohol. So for me, by quitting alcohol and starting an exercise regimen, I, I should exercise more. It, it healed my depression and anxiety. And you think it's the other way around. You, you use the drugs to medicate yeah. your anxiety. But the only way to actually get rid of your anxiety is to stop doing the drugs that take away, that stop it temporarily, but make it come on in a tidal wave after. Yeah, it's a cycle or or it was for me. And also it uh, one of the things I noticed was that I was, I was probably one of those people that you would call like, oh, functional alcoholic, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I couldn't do any long-term thinking. It was always yeah. like I felt like my brain was resetting. And so it was enough to take care of what was immediately in front of me. But in terms of long-term planning or thinking, uh, that improved so much. And so anyway, I was just curious if you noticed the difference. Do you know it's a huge yeah. difference? I mean, I mean, I, I can't imagine somebody saying like me, like I was a not everyday drinker, but I mean, four or five days a week. Uh, you know, the only time I wouldn't drink is because I was probably doing something where I couldn't because, uh, you know, I always like to have some wine or a couple beers, you know, to take the edge off. And you get in that that like where it becomes a crutch, it just becomes normal. And I see all my friends on social media that are drinking like that. And I'm just like, you know, I actually look at it like this. Like you talk about life getting better. And people are going to say, oh, maybe this kind of makes you sound like a jerk. But I'm like, I'm not drinking. Then I have an advantage over everybody that is drinking. Not that life <laughs> is a competition. No, and I'm not even right. trying to because the comparison is a thief of joy. But I'm kind of like, man, you know, there's people way more successful than me that get drunk all the time. But I'm like, I wouldn't even trade that success for the alcoholism. Like, I'm actually very comfortable in not drinking and knowing how many doors have opened since I stopped and knowing that more doors are going to open because I'm not heavily medicating because I'm using, instead of using alcohol for pleasure, I'm using like success or I'm using like creating content or doing something positive for pleasure instead of doing something that's Comedy. negative for pleasure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I was laughing because th that made sense to me. There was a time when, uh, this is before I got sober, but I used to do these things where I would go, you know, a month without 
alcohol and, you know, that kind of reset thing. And I did that once um, back when I was still working in comedy. This is my old life. And I was out in Austin for, for South by Southwest. And my, my business partner and I were both not drinking or, or anything at the time. Um, and, and South by Southwest, have you ever been? It's like spring break. Yeah, I mean, I've really industry. never hung out there. Yeah, I mean, I know all about it. I'm in Dallas, but yeah, I don't even yeah. like, uh, I mean, it's I'm not a big crazy. South by Southwest. I know yeah. it's nuts. Yeah, It's yeah. nuts. And so everyone's just, it's like all the business side of entertainment, of music and comedy. And and everyone's just day drinking and drunk all the time. And um, anyway, point being, I had that moment, like you're saying, you had an advantage. I was in, I was in meetings with people and everyone's drinking and I was just having tea. And I had this moment where I was like, I feel like I have superpowers because I can, <laughs> I can talk Seriously. to people. <laughs> well, that's how I feel like, because now, I mean, I'm, I'm a broadcaster. I signed a deal with the blaze and I'm, I'm about to, you know, hopefully have my own show there very soon. And like, I'm not even worried about it because I can talk all day. I'm, I'm so much more focused. I can just, I can put together a trend, you know, uh, I can put together my words even better. And I used to think like, Oh, I need alcohol to publicly speak, or I need this, I need that. No, now I realize I don't need anything. Literally, mm -hmm. I, I'm better without anything. It actually, that like you tap into your your essence or whatever you want to say. I don't know, lack of a better word, because you really truly are yourself when you disconnect from all this stuff that, you know, really takes your personality. And this is not trying to sound like a virtue singer. If you guys want to drink, drink. But everybody sucks when they get drunk. Like, you know, you might have fun, but your personality is not as good. So I don't ever have to worry about having those personality fights with my friends or anything because I can just be myself. And I like the person that I am. I don't need the alcohol for a, you know, a social crutch that I used to think I needed it for. Mm -hmm. When when you're doing comedy, um, whether it's like man on the street stuff or you're at the city council meetings, uh, you were talking about how it makes you feel like, what is that? What is that um, relationship between a performer of any kind and the audience? Well, I mean, seriously, it's like I'm doing something for fun. I know that sounds weird because sometimes like you're like, oh, I don't want to go put a camera on the street and ask people random questions. But like once you do do it, the, the, I'm all about like high vibrational and low vibrational energy. So some people are like, hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, no. But a lot of times people <laughs> say yes. And they're kind of vibed. It's good. It, it can be fun. I mean, you're going to get a few no's. But like after you're done with it, it's like after a workout, you don't want to like, do a workout. But after you're done with it, you're like, oh, I'm so happy I did that. That's kind of the same with creating content. Like I know before you hit the, the record button or live button, you're kind of like, oh man, I got to go live. But once you're done with the show, you're like, oh, I'm so happy I did that. You never like do a show and you're like, man, I'm pissed that I did. I mean, unless something crazy happens, you're mad. But 99% of the time you're like, man, I'm happy I hit that button. Even though you had a little anxiety, like, oh, my, what am I going to talk about? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Once you actually do it and you're distracted and you're vibing and you're in the zone, you feel so much better after. So that's where it is. I'm literally not trying to fake it. I'm actually trying to have fun when I do this stuff, even when I'm culture jamming, even when I'm going to crazy drag bars. I'm just trying to like have a, a you know a light attitude about it and not be ultra serious and not be ultra negative because that's how most people are. And like that negativity is cancerous. Do you you must love people? Yeah, I mean, I, I was an only child, so I think I love attention, too. I mean, I you know, really, I love my pets more than people. I love my pets oh. the most. So I'm really sick. I'm a vegetarian. People are like on the conservatives like, why don't you eat meat? You're going to eat bugs. But uh, and, and I've only been a vegetarian, you know, since a little bit before the pandemic. Uh, but I guess the reason why I'm saying that is 
I can drive by a homeless guy and I do like to give homeless people money. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I do this thing with my buddy Cassidy Campbell who has a big YouTube thing where we go and we kind of troll people and he, he dresses up like he's poor ass and for gas. And then if they say no, we like give people a fake check. Like we'll have a plan to be like, oh, since you donated, you win $10,000. Kind of just like a social experiment. So now because I've done that, I feel like obligated. If I ever have changed, somebody asks me like I have to, you know, if I have a dollar or whatever, I have to give them. That's kind of like my karma that i have to do now but i guess my point being is like if i see a stray dog on the street though or a stray cat I'm, i will pull over in traffic but if i see a homeless guy i'm like here's a buck you know whatever but you know i, I almost feel indifferent to humans so i just no, I I love a, humans but you know oh i think a lot of people that res would resonate with a lot of people when you see the stray animal it's like of course there's nobody to take care of that person and they don't you know they're not they don't have the same consciousness that we do and they need help you know but yeah. but what i mean by loving people is for you to talk to so many people and go out and do the man on the street stuff and also to be positive while you're doing it, even like sometimes people are screaming at you or whatever, hmm. you kind of have that, you like interaction with different interesting people or learning about the people. It's funny right? you say that because, oh my gosh, you're 100% right. And maybe this is just me, but I kind of like it in a city council meeting when they say something negative because then it fires me up. Like in a, not even a bad way. Like I almost don't like it when somebody's the same as me and agreeable with me. I kind of, it kind of like puts me to sleep. But if somebody is a little combative or something, it kind of like wakes up that inner thing from being asleep. And I'm like, oh, well, let me try to counter it. And let me do the opposite of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that you notice that. But yeah, that is something about my personality. I almost like a little negative feedback because then it kind of makes me put be more nice. You know, and if somebody's like really nice to me, I kind of almost don't like that. I'm kind of like, why is this person <laughs> nice to me? It's weird. You know, uh, where are you serious. from? Where yeah. are you from originally? Born and raised in Dallas. Yeah, where I live now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was people in Texas like, are way nicer. Like I was just in Arizona. <laughs> Some people are nice in Arizona, but like the vibes are just different. If you go to like New York, you know, there's nice people everywhere. But this, this the the uh, Southern hospitality does exist in Texas. And it's different than like at the oh, gas yeah. station in Texas than the gas station in Louisiana. And people are nice in Louisiana, too, but they're not as nice as Texas. They're not as nice as, you know, a, a lot of other states. And I'm not saying Texas is the greatest state. I'm not even though I'm a Texan. I'm just saying. I do think the vibrational energy here is kind of more like Southern nice uh, compared to some places like uh, uh, Denver. Have you ever spent much time in Denver? I've been there. I wouldn't say I've spent time there. Every but, person oh, is yeah. an asshole in Denver. They're known <laughs> for that. And I believe that stereotype. Boulder was pretty woke. And I know it used to be kind of a hippie place, which is interesting to me how a place can go from being hippies to decades later being really authoritarian just like lefty authoritarian but they don't make that there's like a disconnect there like you're not you're not hippies anymore you, yeah well carrie look at occupy wall street was all these like you know anti-establishment people and now all those people that are occupying wall street are like mandate the vaccine and you know mm -hmm. uh pro-establishment you know uh so it's weird how they got tricked into all of a sudden going from anti-establishment to being the establishment. It's kind of sad that people can't see that. Yeah. Anti-corporation. And now suddenly when the corporations speak what they like, it's, you know, we're all on board. I've, yeah. And that's the problem is these corporations, like I get it. Walmart's good because they have a lemon for 25 cents and it's a dollar everywhere else. But these corporations, these multinational corporations, they subsidize everything outside of our country and they're making our lives worse. Like, like uh, Apple, they have a thing that's called the Foxconn studios in China. They have to have suicide nets because so many people are killing themselves because they're like so underpaid and overworked. And yeah, of course uh, iPhone costs more money if it's had to be produced in America, but that would be better for Americans. Like we're like, it's just, you know, uh, 
we just live in a weird uh, uh, day and age where like the industrial uh, vibes are, you know, not good in America. It's not, we don't build or create anything ourselves. And I think that causes a problem because we're not America first. And I'm not saying that like tongue in cheek, we should, we're, we're globalized instead of Americanized. And I think that's a big problem with our happiness in, in our country today. Yeah. You, you described yourself as a populist. Have you ever, have you ever uh, claimed to be or, or, or felt like you were part of either political party or are you, are you an independent? Yeah. I mean, now I kind of lean more conservative because I really don't like abortion. I just, I don't, I mean, I get that a lot of people have had abortion. I know people that did. And I know like young people feel there was a time when I was young where I was like, Oh yeah, you should have the right to, you know, uh, pro choice. But like now I'm a little older and I just think, well, you know, you should give it up for adoption. I know that's kind of a touchy subject, but like, I, I guess now the left has gone so crazy. I mean, you talk about the gender reassignment surgery for young kids. They say that hormone therapy is, is, is reversible. That's untrue. There's so many lies on the left that you're almost the Overton window almost makes you a conservative. If you don't, yes. if you don't think nine year olds should have gender reassignment surgery. So it's even, it's hard to even not be considered a right wing uh, bigot, unless you like go along with all these crazy left ideologies that don't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's what that's what I found in the past couple of years. They're going to call me a right wing bigot anyway, so yeah. um, I, I don't I don't think they realize they're pushing people out because they're labeling you something that then it becomes less scary because you're being called that anyway. So it's like whatever. So I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I'm going to read just this one. Oh, Matt Deckard, he has a question for you. He says. Ask him his hat size. I'm guessing seven and three eighths. Yeah, seven and three eighths would work, but I'd probably get a, a, like in the next up is seven and a half, and I you know the seven and three eighths does fit. And I have a big old honker. I have a big <laughs> my head. My dad called me Mongolian because I dropped on it a lot, so it's still swollen. But I'd probably actually I kind of like a seven and a half if it's like a fitted cap, and and like uh, yeah, I got a big old uh, brain too. Not really, I got a small brain, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Uh, but Carrie, you know, I really appreciate you having me on, oh, and you know, I'm we got so we got to do it again. I'm so thankful that you jumped. I know you're a very busy day on the blaze. Just tell people where they can find you online and we've got it in yeah. the description. Well, guys, I'm all over the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. If you can't find me, you're not looking very hard. It's Alex Stein 99. There's hit pieces about me. There's positive articles about me. Just, you know, read it, believe what you want. But this is the one thing I want to say is like, uh, it makes me feel so good to talk to you, Carrie, only because people are like, Alex, you go to these meetings for clout and attention. Well, that's not necessarily wrong because I do kind of want to bring attention to myself because I want to grow my channel and I want to grow, you know, uh, awareness. But nothing makes me feel better than to know that uh, when a person messaged me, is like, I went to a city council meeting. I went and spoke at my school board meeting. I normally wouldn't do this, but I saw you do it. So I did it. And I'm not saying that I necessarily influenced influence you, but probably a little bit, maybe subconsciously. So that is my favorite thing. And I actually encourage encourage everybody else to do this. You don't have to be a goofball and cross-dress at a city council meeting, but go and speak your mind. And like, listen, even if it's, you know, you feel cringe or like, you don't think your message got across. I guarantee after you spoke, you felt good. You feel good because you get it off your chest. You have a little adrenaline. So it's like, it's worth it. It's like that exercise. Like, you're like I don't want to do this, but after you're done, you're like, Oh, I'm so happy. I did it. So I really encourage everybody. Like I said, you don't have to be a freak. Like me, you don't have to go insane for the Ukraine. You don't have to be a weirdo. Go and actually speak how you feel. Even if it doesn't have the effect that you're hoping, I promise you will like it and you will feel better and you might be motivated to do it again. So it's really a win-win situation because we got to stand up and speak for yourself. If you don't, nobody's going to speak for you. So that's the other thing. It's like, nobody's going to stand up for you. You got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. What a great message to end on. You guys go find Alex Stein for when he comes back to Twitter. Okay. Take care.